สวัสดีค่ะ Hello and welcome to a special episode of You Too Can Learn Thai. Recently, I was interviewed on the Bangkok podcast, which is a podcast about expats in Thailand and all things related to Thailand. Greg and I talked about learning a foreign language as an adult. Then we talked about how I designed my advanced Thai classes and some interesting cultural tidbits. Have a listen to this episode and don't forget to check out the Bangkok podcast. Enjoy. So um, one one of the things that you and I were talking about in our leading up to this, um, we were discussing how people learn languages, like how our brains learn languages. Mm-hmm. And something um, you said that I found quite interesting was how babies learn languages. And we always talk about how kids can just their their brains are sponges; they just suck up mm-hmm. everything. And mm-hmm. that's called the critical period, where babies <laughs> can't do much of anything because babies are kind of useless. So they hmm. just sit there and listen, and that's all they do. But adults can't really do that. Uh-huh. So how do adults compensate for that? Can adults compensate for that? First of all, for the critical period, um, there is a hypothesis for that in terms of like the uh, theoretical research, but we don't have a a very firm uh, conclusion yet because most of the data is like observational. We can't. Assign children to different groups and let them start speaking language at different <laughs> different time. So basically, what we notice is that the ba- baby um, they do pretty well and they can be native if you start early on. And if you uh, delay your start of learning a language until probably somehow like puberty, then it's very difficult for you to reach the native level. But Having said that, there are some things that adults seem to do pretty good. Like probably not as native as children can do, but adults can be quite good at learning language as well. The first one, though, is the speed of acquisition or speed of learning. Like if you just said that children like need a year or two. Just to listen and absorb the language, but for adults, you can just go to a class for one hour and you can start speaking right away. So this is kind of like the cognitive difference between okay. ch- children and adult, right? So um, I would say adults have kind of like a head head start in terms of learning. So you can absorb thing or learn thing pretty fast when input is limited. And the advantages of children is they accumulate a lot, and at some point there is like an explosion, ex- exponential rise in their capabilities. Mm. I, I guess adults are able to contextualize mm-hmm. um, language. You know, like babies might learn the word "mamuang" and "menam," mm-hmm. but they wouldn't know the difference between those two things. But even though adults might take you know some time to learn those two things, mango and river. Then they would be able to contextualize them together. Oh, Mamuang belongs in the Ponomai category, and Manam belongs in the category with boats and bridges mm-hmm. and things like that. So they have a bit more of a an ability to connect connect those words with other words which babies don't have. Yeah, I agree. It's like because adults have more developed mind in some parts. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah, some theories say that. Adults are better in terms of pragmatics as well. So pragmatics is, is like the interaction, how language is uh, connected to um, interaction between the speaker and the listener. 
Just like right. um, if you try to explain why, for for example, English speaking people, when you can't hear something clearly, then you say you probably say like "I'm sorry" or "Pardon me," which sound quite polite. But for some, but for for Thai people in Thai, we usually say "Arayna," which is translated as "What." So mm-hmm. for English speaking people to hear Thai people saying like "What," it, it, it sounds. Probably it will sound a little not so polite, and if you explain that, that's really funny because my son says the same thing. My son is six and a half, mm-hmm. and and when when he he there's certain things that in, in Thai that he's better at. I think he's stronger in English, but like if if mm-hmm. he doesn't hear you, instead of saying "pardon" or "what," mm-hmm. he'll go yeah. "what," <laughs> and I have to tell yeah. him like I mean in Thai, I don't know, makes sense. Yeah, the direct translation of "what." Mm-hmm. Sounds a bit harsh in English. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, that's one of the things. Like this kind of deep um, understanding between uh, about relationship between people may be a little difficult for children to to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, have you have you heard of um, the AUA, the American University Alumni Association? Mm-hmm. They had a law, uh, an English course in in or uh, sorry, a Thai course in Thailand for years and years and years. And mm-hmm. a good friend of mine actually used to used to manage it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was never really on board with their process. And the process, as I understand it, was that you would show up to their class and you would just sit there and listen for however many weeks it was mm. before you were allowed to talk. And this always struck me as really suspect. I, like that definitely <laughs> would not work for me. Mm. So, you, like, you start to learn like a child. Yeah, exactly. Listen exactly. A lot. But, I, mm-hmm. but you're not a child, you're an adult. And I think you have the capability, like you said, to take those new words and start using them in different contexts. Yeah, definitely. Also for adults, you have the help of your native language as well. Like you just say, you just talked about mango. So for kids to, in order to learn about mango, you pro- they probably need to smell it, eat it, touch it. But for adults, I tell you, Mamuang is mango. You don't need to go through all those kinds of activities. Right. You can, you know what it is, right? So we can automatically assign a color and a shape and a taste to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Whereas kids just poop their pants and start crying. <laughs> <laughs> they need time. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you are a Thai teacher too, yes. um, and you teach advanced Thai. Mm-hmm. Is that mostly advanced Thai? Well, mostly it's beginners, but uh, recently I have been teaching advanced and I find it very interesting. How come? Well, because first of all, there aren't many materials or impressions of how people teach advanced students because most people start as a beginner. And when you reach intermediate or upper beginner level, many people give up. So there aren't many materials you can find for advanced teaching. And also, secondly, because I think there are some strategies for advanced students that are different from beginners. Like if um, for me, I would consider myself uh, speaking English as probably like upper intermediate or near advanced. And I notice myself as well. Like when I speak English, there are ways that I can get around like I can keep the communication going, but actually I'm not saying what I really want to say. Like I can't find the words that I want to say, something like that. And I think one of the points of advanced teaching is to get to those problems. Like 
sometimes they can get around, but I want to teach them like extra words, the words that can help them achieve like what they really want. So it's kind of different from beginner teaching, I think. Yes, I feel the same way um, with Thai because oftentimes I will say like, okay, I want to say this in Thai, da 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 da, and I figure it out in my head. Okay, you say this and this and this. I'm pretty sure that's right, and mm-hmm. then I'll hear a Thai person say the exact same sentence, the same meaning, but I but use completely different words, <laughs> and it's really frustrating. It's because like, mm. you're like, oh God, like I, I wanted to say it and I think I was going to be successful, but there's just, there's so many different ways to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things for the advance, yeah. Uh, in addition to being able to touch on different topics um, is that you can find like the exact thing or being like speaking in a uh, culturally appropriate way. Yeah, I think. Right. Like when I say alaiwa. <laughs> I, I copy my Thai friends and they say, you can't say that. You said that. There are said, different standards. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so when you, when you teach this, for instance, say if you were teaching a beginner's class mm-hmm. and then, you know, your beginner's class finished at 1 PM and then at 1 PM you had an advanced learner's class. How would mm-hmm. you need to adjust your, the way you think about what you're about to teach and your lessons? Would it, would it really be different in how you approached your teaching style? Well, first of all, the teaching style, main difference is that for advanced students, I use Thai to teach Thai. So all the explanation, everything, all interactions in the class is in Thai. So mm. that's kind of my shift uh, a little bit. Like It's a shift a little bit. So I'm in a Thai context now, and it's good for them as well to, to listen to Thai every time, like all the time during the yeah. class. And yeah, because we do some... Um, lesson planning so i'll need to go through like everything one more time in order to like familiarize with the difficulty or or the text that i'm going to teach so yes uh, we need to do some shift yeah what are your lessons like for advanced learners like how do you what do you what do you teach them do you teach them reading out of a book or do you teach them role playing or things like that yeah, so I try to include a combination of different things, but my number one rule for um, picking what to teach for the advanced students is that the material needs to be authentic. So it has to be something created by Thai people for Thai people, not created for by Thai people for foreigners. It's kind oh. of different, right? For beginners, textbooks, of course, they are created for learners and they are there are like explanations and there are oh it's like a long way of picking sifting through the grammar points and vocabulary etc but for advanced students i use like uh sometimes it's an article online but for articles online for online stuff sometimes we need to do some editing for like typos and or punctuation those kind of stuff but i try to keep them minimal and we also do um, podcasts. There are quite a few Thai podcasts that are very good. So I let them listen to the podcast. And then we do the discussion or um, extended practice during the classroom. So their work is not, is not light. So they need to, they need to read if, if it's like the, a text, then they need to read beforehand. If it's a podcast or videos, then they need to watch or listen beforehand, and then we do extended practice during the classroom. Right. And you mentioned that you like to use a lot of um, like comedy 
material, <laughs> pop culture material as well. Why is that? Well, first of all, I think pop culture and comedy is interesting. It's like um, it doesn't feel like learning for students somehow because we probably noticed that out of the classroom, actually the students, they watch Thai movies by themselves, even though it's not required. They watch Thai series. So when it's entertainment, it doesn't feel like learning. It's just like when at work, you would say, do what you love and you will never work a day in your life. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's something like that. So I try to find something that they enjoy. That's one, one of the reasons. And another reason is that there are so many linguistic and cultural refer references in pop culture and comedy materials. That's right. That's right. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in more detail in a second. But I, I totally get what you're saying because, like, you know, a lot of these Thai textbooks are, are pretty dry, you know. Um, <laughs> Som Chai goes to the market or <laughs> and he buys some fruit or whatever. But I would much rather, you know, like Greg, explain the the plot of the Simpsons episode in Thai. Like that mm. for me would be a really interesting challenge, mm -hmm. and I would I would respond very well to that. I think, but it's just it's it's this sort of dry material that's been around for a hundred years mm -hmm. that is really kind of a slog to get through. Yeah, indeed. I guess book is good in terms of it's. There, you can write well, it work, once, and work, it's always but... there. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. for for this kind of like, for example, the comedy and stuff, one is that the cultural and linguistic reference sometimes they change as well. So it's related to time, and it probably require more uh, preparation from the teacher side. So I guess that's probably one of the reasons why it's not that prevalent. That's right. And I, I think not a lot of Thai teachers would have time or the inclination to go and sit down and watch a bunch of Simpsons episodes uh, <laughs> so they could understand what, you know, the student is talking about. Indeed. Uh, let's talk about more about pop culture because when we were discussing your coming on the show, um, <laughs> we had a really interesting conversation um, about the nuances of a of a culture and how they react to and how they relate mm -hmm. to pop culture. And yeah. Ed, my co-host and I have said on the show many times before that if you really want to understand a language, you need to understand the culture and especially the pop culture of mm -hmm. that country of the language you're trying to learn. Um, it just, it, it just, there's so much shorthand and, slang and mm -hmm. jokes and references that get thrown around just like in English that mm -hmm. are really hard to get if you don't understand the culture of Thailand because we're talking mm -hmm. about learning Thai. Yeah. And you mentioned a really interesting story about <laughs> a snake. I thought it was fascinating. Let's get into that. Yeah, definitely. So this is one of the uh, skit from a comedy show that I found, and I definitely I used it in the advanced lesson as well. So basically, in the story, there there is a man and a woman, and the man was trying to go after the woman. So in Thai, well, when I told this story to you, you said that it's a little creepy to mention that you dreamt of her. <laughs> But in Thai, it seems like okay to to say that you dream of a woman to mean that you miss her or you think of her. Right. So, so in the story, this guy had a dream about the woman. Yeah. And he told yeah. her. Right. He told her. Yeah. He told her that he he dreamt about her. And what's interesting is that in the dream, so he dreamt of a snake, 
and it slithered in, and it wrapped her. It wrapped her up, and then he was kind of like he he did a heroic act, and he went went on and killed the snake. Right. Okay. So here there is some references or some cultural background. So first of all, um, to say that you think of someone by saying that you have dreamt of someone, it sounds quite okay to Thai people. Um, so really? I think that's one one of the reference. Yeah. Yeah. I think. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, I you, if you walked up you. to a, if you walked up to a colleague in an American or Western <laughs> office and said, "Hey, I had a dream about you last night," I mean, alarm bells would be going off. Like, okay, <laughs> really, this is weird. And really, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that's not something you would do. Mm, interesting. Yeah, but in, but in Thai, it's like, oh, you're you're thinking about me. Ooh, it's a, that's a bit romantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Especially okay. in terms of like the romantic side. And so I guess this is kind of like the first cultural difference. And the second one is the about the snake, like slithering in. So and, and wrapping her up. So in Thai, we have well, we have so many superstitions, as you may notice. But one uh, of yeah. the <laughs> one of the very widespread one is that, well, actually if a woman dreams that she is wrapped by a snake. It means that she will meet a soulmate. It's kind of oh. like the one of the very uh, important interpretation of dreams in Thai. That in is Thai not how most Western women <laughs> would interpret being squeezed by a snake. <laughs> that, that would probably, yeah, I mean, the guy saying, hey, there's a snake mm-hmm. wrapping you up, and I mm-hmm. busted in and I mm-hmm. attacked that snake to save you. I'm yes. the hero. That's yeah. the interpretation that the Western mm. would have. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, the heroic act is one of them as well. But I guess the main one, the more important one, is that you are meeting a soulmate who is me, <laughs> kind of like that. Wow! Wow! Uh, yeah, and the ending is also interesting. So, actually, in this story, the woman is not much interested in the guy, or maybe she hasn't paid attention to him. She paid attention to something else. So, after he killed the uh. Yeah, after he killed the snake, um, she, she interpreted the whole dream as telling her about the lottery number. Cause you know, another, another int- interpretation, major interpretation of the dreams in Thailand is whether it tells you some numbers so you can buy the lottery. Right. So, uh, she interprets the slithering of the snake as number eight because it's kind of like left, right. The snake is like goes in and the snake slithers in the number eight. Yes. It's number eight. And then this one is linguistically related. So he said that the snake eventually died. So die, of course, you can say die in Thai. Right. But, um, in order to make it rhyme or, uh, in order to make it a homophone, in the story, he used the word soon, soon, which is like soon sia, kind of lost, gone, sap soon, is part of the word. So soon can, can mean gone. And soon, it's a homophone of the number zero, right? Number zero is also soon. So she said, right. okay, so that means eight zero. I'll go buy a lottery with the number eight zero, ending at zero. That's it's so fascinating. Okay, so just just to sum up, so mm-hmm. a dude has a dream about a snake attacking a woman, and he mm-hmm. busts in and kills a snake. Mm-hmm. For for a foreign audience, they would think that like the woman was being attacked, she was in mm-hmm. danger, and mm-hmm. the man 
dreamed about being the hero and saving her. Mm-hmm. For the Thai person, um, the woman is uh, uh, is meeting her soulmate, mm-hmm. uh, or someone is thinking about her in that way, and she also sees it as a good omen that she should go out and buy a lottery ticket for the number eighty. Yes, is that roughly right. Yes. I mean, it's so different. It's two completely different interpretations of that. Yeah, isn't it? Right. So, I mean, if you were describing that, if if mm-hmm. I was describing that dream in Thai, mm-hmm. I would probably use words like you know, "antalai" danger. Um, mm. You know, I, I came in and I saved you and things like that. But mm. um, I need to understand that if I was describing this dream to a Thai audience the tone of how I described it, the words that I used would all need to be different. Yeah, or the parts that you emphasize, like it's yeah. wrapping you, it's squeezing you. It's, it's so squeezing that. you with love rather than attacking <laughs> you to kill you and eat you. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And that's a really good example, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, this very simple thing can be completely misinterpreted based on just cultural nuance. Yeah, definitely. And there are like both cultural and linguistics reference as well, like the numbers soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another one is also related to the language and culture. So you know that kids are adorable. You have a kid. And especially well, baby. Well, <laughs> especially okay, let's just say they're he adorable. He was a baby. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, yeah. So when you see like cute babies in Thailand, what do you say to the, to the baby or to the parents? Say narak, narak, right? And right. That's kind of like the standard. Like I, I would tend to, I, I would say I would have a gut feeling to say that as, as well. And if I was in like foreign cultures, I would not be afraid to say like the baby is cute but actually in Thai culture it's kind of a little taboo to say to say to a kid or parents that the kid is cute because we have some superstition again that if you say that a kid is cute then a ghost will know that too and the ghost will take the baby away oh jeez <laughs> yeah so that's why um, so maybe around your kid, it, it depends because sometimes people know that you are from a different culture, so they don't do much of the Thai thing. But among Thai people, many people would say that the kid is na rak, na chang. So na rak, you know, means cute or adorable. But na chang actually means unpleasant. Chang actually means hate. So it's like, I, I love to hate it. So na rak, na chang is like a, adorable but unpleasant. So in this way, in this way, the ghost will, will not notice the kid and will not take the kid away. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine people, yep. the face of a parent in Canada if I walked up and said, your baby is adorable but unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. And some people like even went a step further and just say like, like ugly and ugly. unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like... If you are Thai people, then they will not react too harshly on that because we know that this is uh, not intended. And sometimes we say that with a smile, but the words that come out of your mouth is ugly. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. And I'm trying to think back of what people said to my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he just wasn't that narrow. I don't know. No, I can't remember. <laughs> no, he was a pretty cute kid. Um, what about when you walk up to a baby and you go like, boom, boom, and you poke them or something. 
Oh. Mm. <laughs> Actually, people come up to me and say that sometimes too. It means chubby. You, you mean like you are your kid, you yourself? Both. <laughs> no. Fun. This is a bit of a, of a detour, but I had an ex girlfriend one time, and she used uh-huh. to call me Toinoi. Oh, Toinoi. Toinoi, which means like like chubby, but chubby, fat, cute. but cute, or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she, mm. she she eventually became got used to using it so much that she would we'd go to a restaurant or something, and she'd be like Toinoi, what do you want? And the the waiter would be like, <laughs> stop calling me Toinoi. Yeah, I know, right? Because well, this is another thing. It might not be language related, but this is definitely the culture in Thai. You can say like, you can talk about the shape of a person, like whether they are a little chubby, etc., or like whether they are a little short. You can use those terms in in a, an affectionate way, like the intention of your girlfriend. I'm sure that she was trying to be affectionate, but sometimes for foreigners. Uh, when you say uh, I'm shabby, it sounds a little weird. Yeah, um, and that's that's a big issue. That I think I mean we're getting off into the into a different topic here, but that's mm-hmm. probably one of the most difficult issues that foreigners have to deal with when they first come here. Um, is is just the absolute blunt directness that Thai people <laughs> have about how you look. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll use me again as an example because it's my show. Um, but when I when I first started teaching here. Uh, mm-hmm. I started teaching at a at a high school um, mm-hmm. around November, mm-hmm. and as I was being led around to being introduced to all the teachers in my department, mm-hmm. almost all of them said like, "Oh, great, you can play Santa because you're fat." <laughs> you know, and I I'd, oh I'd, I'd been in Thailand for like, you know, four months or something, and I'm like, "Oh, wow." You know, <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that they were they they meant it as a compliment, like you can you can play this role so well. We're excited mm-hmm. about this. This is great mm-hmm. to have you here. Yeah. Whereas in in Canada, I would probably get punched in the face if I had said that. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And sometimes it's just like it's uh, unnoticed among among Thai people. We just like say it naturally, not noticing that it might offend somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I think, I mean, as foreigners, we are in Thailand, and to expect Thai people to adapt to our culture is ridiculous. So I think it's important that you know, if we are trying to learn Thai, that we also try to understand the cultural side of the language too, not just the the gram- grammatical side of it, because they they kind Indeed. of complement each other. Indeed. Well, then, what we do with our five dollar patrons is we give them a heads up when we have some guests coming on the show, and I have a couple of questions here from uh, our buddy Mike. And um, as we were just talking about this, he said he wanted me to ask, um, when you talked about how understanding a culture helps you understand a language, Nan, what are your thoughts on how learning a language helps you understand the culture? Mm. I think definitely there is a relationship to that because language and culture are like two sides of the same coin. You can't separate them apart. And what I can think of now is that uh, there are so many Thai words that are related to Thai, like the heart. Sure. And yeah, I think it kind of, if you understand the words, you know, the language, then it kind of uh, helps you understand a little bit about how Thai people think, the logic of Thai people. For example, I think a um, very classic one is like Kreng Jai. Kreng Jai, of course, yes. Yeah, it's kind of one of the concepts that is 
pretty difficult to explain to foreigners or at least translate to a foreign language. But if you take it apart, you know the language and you know, uh-huh, dai is something related to the heart and kreng maybe. Kreng um, has a meaning of a little like scared or taken back is kind of uh, the meaning behind kreng. So kreng dai is like you, you are being considerate, you think, about uh, you think for someone and you do not want to af- offend that p- person so that's why you kind of like you take yourself back a little bit so right. i think yeah this helps understand like the culture or how we use like green type sure yeah def- definitely mm. and i think also i mean i i, I when you learn um you know like nadam or you know then you have to understand that the you know, Thais don't like dark skin and they attribute mm. a whole sort of negative aura around that. Mm. Um, and there's whole, there's, there's language built up around that as well. So it, it very much goes back and forth and they both bounce off of Indeed. each other. Indeed. And another question from Mike, he said, what's your take on the most challenging aspects of learning the Thai language? For me, it would be the tones. And I got to say, Mike, I'm on board, man. I, I agree. <laughs> Those tones are killer. And there are days when I am trying to learn something and I am convinced that hundreds of years ago, Thai people got around a campfire and were like, look, we're going to make this impossible for foreigners to learn. And <laughs> not only that, we're going to make it so that if you say the wrong tone, you're going to sound really talun, like very dirty. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I, for instance, like I tell Thai people another time, I say, you know, the word glai is very close to the word glai. And a lot of times they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. And I'm like, you guess. I mean, it's clear that they're very similar. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. But as you teach your students, what what mm-hmm. are some of the most difficult elements for them to learn? Well, I say, um, of course, uh, Mike, I understand your difficulty. And I think for people who come from the background without tones, tones are definitely one of the most difficult ones. But, well, I have to say that some of my students, they come from backgrounds with tones like Chinese in Chinese language they have tones so actually it might not be like the universal difficulty among all learners interesting okay mm-hmm. yeah I would say another thing though I, and I don't mean to say that tones aren't difficult but uh, giving another example I think well it's actually vocabulary um and the um intricate or the subtle meanings behind words it's just like uh green dye that we just talked before is there are so many notions or concepts that are difficult to to understand and back to what we did in the main interview um there are so many like cultural references in that um that you need to understand in order to understand the word um also another thing about vocabulary is that because if you notice actually the thai sentence it's not that complex. Like you have subject, verb, object, and you don't really have like the inflection, like the in English S E D kind of like that. So actually, mm, you probably don't get that much of a clue from other parts of the language. And that puts more emphasis or more importance to the vocabulary or how you arrange the sentence. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So because because there's not a lot of um, subtle nuance in how you can modify the words, mm-hmm. you have to choose the words correctly, more, mm-hmm. more carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my impression. 
Interesting. All right. Thanks for sending those in, Mike. Well, Nan, that was super interesting. Uh, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you too, too long, but um, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, I, I highly recommend listening to, to her podcast listeners. It's great. Um, and uh, certainly hope that it'll help me, especially now because I before the before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was taking Thai lessons twice a week. Oh. And I was making some progress. I was shocked. But now, mm-hmm. of course, I'm stuck at home forever and I can't take the Thai lessons anymore. So there's definitely a backslide for me. Uh, but now there's, you know, there's great resources online, one of them being your podcast. Um, where can people find out more about that or more about you? Yeah. So my podcast is called You Too Can Learn Thai and it's available almost everywhere. I think everywhere you listen to podcasts, so like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major platforms, or you can visit youtubecanlearnthai.com. Um, 